Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. What if I were to tell you of a warrior who carried an English longbow, a broadsword, and a bagpipe into battle, who defeated many foes and captured even more, who would volunteer to go on the most dangerous missions and raids. Now what if I were to tell you this warrior wasn't fighting in some ancient battle sword v sword, but rather using longbow against the Nazis in World War II? That's right, using bow and arrow versus MP40s and Panzer tanks. And spoiler, somehow a bagpipe-playing, sword-wheeling archer was able to beat multiple squads of Nazis. But before I get into the legend of Jack Churchill, sometimes better known as Mad Jack, Nick, how are you and what are you drinking? I'm in awe right now, and I am drinking a Coors Light. What about you? I am drinking some... uh, Grape juice with some gin, and it tastes pretty damn good. And honestly, I feel like I need to be drinking some scotch or some bourbon or brandy after researching and talk and get talking about this guy. This guy. Yeah, I agree. I was not prepared drink wise for this this turn of events. Yeah, uh, Jack Churchill, aka Mad Jack, also sometimes called Fighting Jack, is a man who, in any time in history, I would have been surprised if they believed it i believe he would have been chalked up to exaggeration or myth if he was not born in the 20th century but luckily this man is not mythical but is what myths envy to be jack churchill born september 16th in the british colony of ceylon which is now modern day sri lanka and soon after his birth his father for sri lanka what i say yeah just edit it out <laughs> Sri Lanka. Soon after his birth, his father, a former military man and the district engineer in Ceylon, moved his family to Dormsmond in England, where he and his younger siblings would receive their upbringing and education. And before you ask, I I know what you're going to ask, no, Jack Churchill is not the brother of Winston Churchill or related by any means which I could find to Winston Churchill. I just... Multiple people with the last name Churchill. It's got to be a bummer to be Winston Churchill and get upseated for the most badass <laughs> Churchill. Well, this Churchill might take the cake, even not being related. Jack, in his youth, would take up archery. Jack would also graduate from the Royal Military College in Sandhurst in 1926 and be sent off to be stationed in Burma. Being a young military officer in a foreign land, he apparently liked to live on the wild side like take random motorcycle trips, some 1,500 miles across Burma, and, by some accounts from others, got into fight with a water buffalo. Sounds like a man after my own heart. In Burma is where he learned to play the bagpipes, or at least honed his bagpipe skills. This will be very important later on. While spending nearly a decade in the military, he grew tired of it. One more adventure. So in 1936, he left the military and Burma, and moved to Nairobi, Kenya, and worked as a newspaper editor, and also as a male model. 
obviously that goes without saying oh, yeah and of course you'd kind of be restless doing that so during in between slow times he would take up movie roles working as an actor being a bagpipe player or archer in such films as the thieves of baghdad or a yank at oxford always staying busy and wanting more adventure he started entering archery and bagpipe competitions in 1938 he got second place for his bagpipe work and in 1939 he represented great britain herself at the world archery championship in oslo norway but as many can see where this is going and keeping track of the dates that's in 1939 then came september 1939 and the nazis invaded poland and started off the second world war Jack Churchill immediately retook up his commission and was assigned to the Manchester Regiment, which was immediately set to France as an expeditionary force. I guess you can take the dog out of the fight, but you can't take the fight out of the dog. In May 1940, a few months after Poland being invaded... I feel like this man was just waiting for war his whole life. Nick, you have no idea. In May 1940, only a few months after Poland being invaded, and already in France... Jack and his regiment ambushed a German patrol near, and I, I'm sorry if I butchered this, Le Epidet, which is a French town. Uh, he came across the German patrol and ambushed them. Jack took his longbow and sword and bagpipes to France with him with his unit. Jack went on to use his bow and his broadsword to single the attack. Jack would go and shoot a German soldier with his bow, take out his sword, and signal the attack. Jack had such a love for his sword, apparently he had a motto, which went, any officer who goes into action without his sword is improperly dressed. Talk about a badass, Nick. Yeah, and I just can't imagine, like, a sword in World War II. I'd say even in World War I, you know, once you get in the trenches maybe, but... What the fuck? <laughs> and for those who don't know, a English longbow is not a small item. It's taller than six foot. It's probably taller. That's what, three meters? And a broadsword is pretty fucking big. It's not like a charging cavalier sword. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's only. nearly. It's a two-handed weapon. And to boast and add on to his archery skills, which... To me, seemed a little far-fetched when researching this, but I'll let you and the audience decide. Apparently, he was so consistently, he could accurately hit a target with his bow and arrow at 200 yards, which seems a bit extreme for me, but the things this man could do makes me hesitate to completely dismiss it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a decent shot with, with the rifle. <laughs> I mean, most people don't <laughs> practice shooting that far. Yeah. Jack Churchill's kill with a bow and arrow would be the only recorded kill by the British of a... I mean, Matt couldn't hit it. Ha! <laughs> ha! That's an inside joke, ladies and gentlemen. We'll just cut that out. Uh, no, I'm leaving that in. Uh, Jack Churchill's kill with a longbow is the only recorded kill by the British of a person by the longbow. And if I remember correctly, the last person in Britain history to get a kill with a longbow... And many consider him to be the only person to kill anybody with a bow and arrow during all of World War II. Jack was also involved 
and around the retreat of Dunkirk. During his ambush, they were actually falling back because the main force and the initial push failed and the British were retreating. During the retreat after ambush, he would be shot in the shoulder and still would help his men get to safety. Along the way, though, some interesting things happened. He found a motorcycle, put his bow and arrow to the frame, and started using German officer caps to decorate his headlights of the motorcycle. Also, along the way, apparently he tried to rescue a tank. That's right, a tank. He tried rescuing a dismembered or non-operational tank by hitching six trucks together to help salvage a British tank. It did not work, but he did end up rescuing that British officer of the tank. I can just imagine this guy pulling up to the tank in his motorcycle, like, you need a, you need a tow? He's like, I got a chain, we'll just hook up your tank. And he just pulls the tank out of a ditch on his motorcycle, and it just makes sense. <laughs> well, it's funny because just the sight of him was great morale for all the troops. And this is at Dunkirk, so they're getting their kind of asses kicked at the moment. From a war diary from the 4th Infantry Brigade, someone wrote about the sight of Jack during the retreat of Dunkirk. And I quote, One of the most reassuring sights of the embarkment was the sight of Captain Churchill, passing down the beach with his bow and arrows. His high example and his great work were a great help to the 4th Infantry Brigade. So Nick, I got two questions for you. First being, if you were a soldier and you see a commanding officer riding a motorcycle with bows and arrows and a sword on your hip, on his hip, while you're holding your rifle in your hands, what's going through your mind? I'd be like, this guy's a fucking idiot. All right. My second question, which might be answered the same way. Nick, if you were an enemy soldier and you see your enemy on a motorcycle using a sword and longbow while you're holding a fully automatic machine gun, what do you think the enemy was thinking? You're right. Probably that same thing. (laughs) I mean, who are if you're if you're that machine gunner, who are you gonna shoot at? The guy who's shooting you with a another rifle, or some dude with a sword and a bow? (laughs) Well, the smart answer would have been shoot the guy with the gun. But knowing Mad Jack now, I probably would have shot at Mad Jack. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they they heard about him. Oh, they did, and wait until we get later on to it. The the Nazis definitely had a hard-on for him. Mad Jack would escape the horrible situation of Dunkirk and be back in the fight. Well, he never left the fight. During this time, the British started a new division, a new type of soldier, and they immediately thought of Jack. They thought he would be perfect for it, a commando. Did did they need 100 Nazi scalps? Uh... He he uh he kind of kept on par with uh Inglorious Bastards, that's for sure. Jack would go on, receive some more training, and in that time, get married and have two kids. This is a little bit over a year he's able to do all this. And about a year later, in 1941, he was being retasked with being a commando and sent to Norway to stop the Nazis there. In his commando years and his unit, they would raid Nazi garrisons, factories, and supplies. And to stand out from the elite commandos, he would play his bagpipes 
and even play songs like the March of the Cameron Men before hurling a grenade, then charging forward while wearing his sword. And if you're going to do something, do it right, I guess. <laughs> well, after being a thorn in the Nazis, after being a thorn to the Nazis in Norway, he would be shipped off to Italy in July 1943, where he helped lead troops in the evasion of Sicily and Salerno, still rocking the bagpipes and sword the entire time while doing this. In the Italian evasion, he and his fallen commandos infiltrated an enemy command post and took 42 prisoners, and then walked them all the way back to Allied forces. During the taking of this command post, Jack lost his sword, when apparently he was fighting a German soldier hand-to-hand combat. Well, don't worry, Nick. After leading the troops to Allied forces so that way the prisoners could be taken care of, he walked all the way back to get his sword. Obviously. Again, everything about Mad Jack might not be 100% true. It's hard to tell the fact from fiction when learning about a man of this caliber. But I tend to... It's like the scene in Inglorious Bastards when Hitler was interviewing the person who survived their attack and he's asking about the the bear jew he's like he's 10 feet tall (laughs) (laughs) but i'll be honest i tend to believe he went back to care to get his sword i mean if you're going to carry a sword in world war ii combat in france and norway against the nazis like hell am i going to lose it or leave my sword to the italians i should also make note along the way of his uh of his combat escapades, he was getting medals left and right for bravery, distinguished honor, etc., etc. So many different medals that I just can't put them all in this podcast. That seems about right. Uh, yeah. The fight against the Nazis continued, where he was assigned to lead the commandos into Yugoslavia in 1944, and was ordered to raid and fight the opposition wherever they could. Jack would assemble a motley army. He would organize and assemble 1,500 partisans and, with his fellow commandos, would lead attack against the Germans. The enemy was more heavily equipped than previously thought and from scouted out, which forced the makeshift army and commandos to try to attack the following day. And, of course, to single the attack, you need bagpipes, Nick. So Jack, once again, played the bagpipes to signal the attack. The attack was hard and devastating. Only Churchill and six other commandos were able to reach the objective. A mortar had killed and wounded the rest of the commandos. Unfortunately, it didn't stop there. The Germans kept fighting, and Jack would be knocked unconscious by a grenade. The Germans would find his unconscious body, capture him, and send him all the way to Berlin for interrogation. After landing in Berlin and some interrogation, he was quickly transferred to Again, sorry if I mispronounced this. Sachsenhausen concentration camp. Sackhausen? Sackenhausen? No, never mind. I don't know. I thought I feel like I know how to pronounce it, but I can't remember now. Well, it's okay. Jack didn't bother to learn how to pronounce it either because he was decided he didn't want to be there. So in September 1944, him and another officer crawled underneath the barbed wire through an abandoned drain system and tried to walk for the Baltic coast. Just for information of reference, from this concentration camp to the Baltic coast is over 100 miles. Like I think it's like 120 miles. And on their journey from the concentration camp to the coast, they were captured 
within just a few miles of the sea. Jack was then taken back and then transferred to Tyrol, a camp guarded by the SS. For those who don't know, the SS are like are what we like to call assholes or pieces of shit. And apparently, even the average German soldier hated the SS. I say this because multiple prisoners pleaded to German officers of the fear of being executed by the SS. So the German officers went and got the German soldiers, brought them back to the concentration camp to help protect the prisoners. Hearing of this and being outnumbered, the SS soldiers tucked tail and ran for the hills. When the German soldiers arrived, they simply let all the prisoners go. From there, Jack would walk nearly another 100 miles to Viona, Italy, where he would run into American soldiers. Jack, after recovering, was getting ready to join the Americans to go to the Pacific. So he began his transportation to join... Holy shit. Yeah, he, he just kept on going. And when Jack reached India is when the U.S. had just dropped the nuclear bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, ending the war. This apparently pissed off Jack. Jack would end up saying, if it wasn't for those damn Yanks, we could have kept the war going for another 10 years. With the world out of the fire but still in chaos, Jack was reassigned to the Seaforth Highlanders and stationed in Palestine where he would help and coordinate the evacuation of 700 Jewish doctors, students, and patients from hostile area to safety by commandeering and gathering up vehicles to help transfer all the people. From there, he would go to Australia, where he would serve as a land-slash-air warfare instructor and take up the hobby of surfing, where he was the first man to ride the Severn River's five-foot tidal on a surfboard, a surfboard, a surfboard that he designed and made. Eventually, though, Father Time catches up with all of us, and he would retire from the army in 1959 at the age of 53. But still a man of action and venture, he would still continue to live an interesting life. When back in England, apparently he liked to mess with people on trains and the train conductors. For example, on his way home on the train, he would try to throw his suitcase out of the moving train to land in his backyard. Just for shits and giggles, I imagine? Sounds about right. He would also go in to be in another movie, and as a hobby, would pick up sailing coal-powered ships on the River Thames, play with radio-controlled warships with his wife. And in case you ever see one of his... uh warships they're worth apparently a lot of money they're very sought after apparently yeah i'm sure you know that's probably really sought after that guy's sword it's in a museum i bet that's worth of i hope so <laughs> it belongs in a museum <laughs> all right indy calm down calm down he would do the suitcase throwing sailing coal ships playing with radio controlled warships hang out with friends and family for nearly another 40 years Years would go by with his family and friends in a life of peace where in 1996, at the age of 89, he would pass in his home in Surrey. A man of action and adventure and something you just can't make it, just something you can't make up. I would love to be at a pub with him and just, he's got to be the best drinker of all time. He's just got to have dozens upon dozens of stories that never made it to the public light. I mean, this this is like 
a real Chuck Norris. <laughs> Uh, I highly implore you all to look up a picture of him because he looks like the quintessential 1920s British officer. Like, thin mustache, kind of lean. Does not look like what you would pick, like, picture as, like, the ultimate badass. He kind of looks on the skin. Well, I think we're all picturing Mel Brooks right now. <laughs> Braveheart, no, honestly. Oh, well, that's, uh, that's kind of far off, but you should definitely look him up when you get the chance because there is footage... Of him getting off ships with his sword, bagpipes, and bow to go into combat. And uh, he was loved amongst the troops because on ships, when transporting, he would play the bagpipes and just boost morale. But unfortunately, as years go by, the time of legends and myths become rarer and rarer. The days of the impossible being done seem to be slowly ending, like the last glimmers of a sunset. The men and women that we used to tell stories around a fire about that would enthrall us in our youth are becoming harder and harder to find. And new stories to be born are even more difficult. Call Jack Churchill what you like, but none can argue he is made of the fabric of legend, a man who has nearly transcended into myth. And I hope his tale will inspire more legends to be born and to be created and to fill the hearts of the world with their stories. Also, how has this not been made into a movie? I have no idea. I feel like I've missed a lot. It His life must have been full of adventure and stories, but yet still little is known about this man. Again, he would receive multiple medals, awards, was loved by his men, and become one of the first commandos ever during World War II and carry a sword, bagpipes, and bow into combat. I can't think of a, a better legend in the 20th century of, than him. And now you all know about Mad Jack, Jack Churchill, a bagpiping, pipe-smoking, drinking, fighting man who is pissed off at us Yanks for dropping nukes on Japan. Sometimes I love this planet. That is the one person, the one person who wanted to invade Japan. <laughs> we found him. <laughs> Honestly, just send him. He probably could take over an entire island. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it. And now you all know about Mad Jack. And thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.